So we are back with episode number five of Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And this is our first time having a guest. And with us, we have uh, Leah. Am I pronouncing that right? Yep. Leah, who works in women's health care and going to talk with us about some of her experiences in that field. And so first, we're going to talk about our storm, though. So we are in a rural part of Maine, not even that rural, really, and have been without, I've been without power at my house now for um, almost 60 hours. And so we had three trees fall on our street. We had one tree fall on our car. We, I just, this morning, my chest freezer was actually, the meat and stuff was still totally frozen solid. Wow. But knowing that it might be another couple more days, I had um, friends with freezer space and so I packed up my stuff in grocery bags and put it in my friend's freezer. So I'm very thankful for that. But being without power for a few days has been really interesting. And it's ruined Halloween for us. And No, it hasn't. <laughs> it didn't ruin it. But I'm so... So our city, just to ask, please don't trick-or-treat until Friday. And half the people were like, I don't see what the problem is. And went trick-or-treating anyway. Yeah. And I'm just like, you better expect me to be knocking on your door. <laughs> On Friday, I'm because still the city sent away to Friday, and our neighborhood especially was. Did you go out at all in the night? Yeah, yeah. like it is like Pitch dark black. side of the yeah. moon, dark, and we have t- lines down everywhere and trees. Oh my god! And like and li- lines bad. holding up uh, by the park. Lines are holding up this huge oak tree that has split in half yeah. and is dangling over the street, and is literally part of our route for trick or treating. So all these people that were like, "Well, we're going to do it anyway," you guys are just wimps. I'm like, mm. No, they didn't have success though. We didn't. No one on our street handed out candy. Good. So don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Gretchen. Good. Awesome. So how how did you fare in the storm? I'm good. I kept expecting the power to come back on, and of course it didn't. <laughs> and I, li- you know, we live right in the middle of the city. And so my dad, I grew up, you know, on the compound. Leah, mm-hmm. Leah, we'll get into how I know her, but anyway, <laughs> she knows about my compound living. So my dad lives on a compound, family compound, and we have I don't know about a hundred acres of land out there. It's a private dirt road, three houses, and during ice storm we lost the power for 14 days. Oh my god! And I got a text from him yesterday afternoon that they have restored power. Out where he lives, and we are still without power right in the middle of the city. Oh yeah, one one of uh, Dave's coworkers lives out in the country and always loses power all the time. And so Dave said, "I really think this time we're going to be without it longer than you." No, never. We're always the last. And he got power last night. And so he sent a picture of him with his electric lights, and we sent a picture of us with our LED light tape. <laughs> so it was fun. How about where you are? So um, I'm down in Portland, and there's a lot of people that are out of power. Um, we when I left for work, had power, but there was no school because several of the schools didn't have power. So I expected that my son would spend the entire day on the computer because there was no one around and he's a 13-year-old boy who likes to spend all day on the computer. So in the middle of the day at work, I had a little like a, a little email that came through that he had bought a book on from Barnes & Noble. And I was like... Wow, like I've really raised this kid well. Like he is just home and he has all day himself and he's like buying the next book in the series that he's so excited to read and I was like patting myself on the back and then of course I come home and he's like, The power's been out since ten. I had nothing to do And I was like, Oh, that's why you like broke down and bought a book But then his of course his phone ran out so he had to find a live book so I came home to find him actually reading a live book. But as soon as I got home the power went back on and we heard later that they had actually just shut it off 
to work on the lines and all that like but for some reason like shutting it off made it easier to work on uh, the neighborhood that we lived in so we only lost it for that day so I was fine I was at work with power well that's like one of our friends who works in a library and texted and said oh the library's closed and I didn't bring my books and I was yeah. like <laughs> you're in a library you are literally yeah. a librarian in a li- <laughs> like why am I telling you this <laughs> so not to make fun of you but uh-huh. it was we, it, it cracked me up we were reading last night James and I on the couch in the bot in the dark with our Kindles, and he said, "Oh, we should do this once a week because you do realize, <laughs> yes. you know, once you don't have power, how much we've, how far we've strayed from just peaceful living, you know, because we're yeah. always stimulated with multiple, you know, you're watching TV and texting mm-hmm. and and probably surfing the internet simultaneously, and who knows what other people do? I know you've got the iPad, I." Mac and cell phone and iWatch going sometimes. No, time. my watch is dead. It's been dead for two days. Oh, you should have brought it. I know. I brought everything else to charge, but my my watch is dead, and I haven't opened up my computer because I don't have internet, so I can't... I've just been like... It's kind of like my backup battery. I was like, well, if I need to open it up and charge something else off of it, I could do that yeah. and uh, cannibalize it for the battery, but I am... Um, I haven't... We've, we've just been playing games and you know, listening to music and running, like, our phone through a battery-operated speaker thing. The kids like that. So it's been okay. It's We've we've done okay. We have a propane stove, um, a propane fireplace, so we're warm. We're not worrying about being too cold, although I really am wishing I had a gas range. And mm-hmm. we were talking about... And last week we talked about all the things we would do in a kitchen, and one of them is that I would have a gas range. And Like, if my... I have a coil-top electric that I hate and if it ever died I've always said I'll just get a gas range then well it's been 15 years <laughs> yeah. and it won't came with the house it won't die and I'm like I so I was telling people I need to take a hit out on my stove so that <laughs> the next time if we had a gas cooktop we'd be we'd be good we'd be great well speaking we'd of- be literally cooking with gas <laughs> <laughs> I do have a gas stove <laughs> and last week we were talking about the houses and um, I guess someone said to you that she didn't that we have everything we want and what was the yeah topic? so like like obviously like mom was saying well it sounds like you're very privileged I'm like, well that's kind of the point is that we're recognizing that we're really privileged to have really everything that we need and trying to figure out why we still want more and where that comes from so so when we say that these are things we want we're also saying is why do we want this why do we want more and bigger and trying to figure out where that balance is and and being just happy with what you have but after a six-year power outage, I think that definitely propane gas yeah. range has like moved up the list on something that would make my life better in the future. Sixty-hour power. Outage. Oh no, it gets better because she sent me a text of her this giant tree that literally <laughs> her our houses are very close together. Mm-hmm. They're probably ten feet, probably not even ten feet. No, they're ten feet. It's five feet. Oh, it's, it is ten. Okay, ten feet. Oh, look, that was good. Uh-huh. I forgot my head. So a tree, a I giant the code tree, in case I ever went on. right between. <laughs> her house and the neighbor's house and she texted me and I said Gretchen how could you not believe in God he just saved your fancy new Subaru and your house and she goes no Kelly if there was a God he would have crashed that garage down so I could build my addition with my insurance money so that's a point of yeah. she wasn't even happy the tree didn't in her house well and actually I had a couple neighbors who have said that too who have looked and like boy six feet to the right huh and then because they know that the garage like if you look at it it's sort of like Especially from the back, you can see it's kind of looking a little sketchy. So mm-hmm. other people are like, boy, it's so Almost. great that it yeah. missed your garage. And Dave's like, no, perfectly fine. So so this is an exciting day because, uh, so Leia and I used to work together. And she was so good to me all the time because I do things like, 
I went to her one day and you probably don't even know this Gretchen I haven't told you this but I told her one day that I'm not a feminist remember that day I told mm-hmm. you it? <laughs> so I said oh Leah you know I'm not a feminist and she was she took it so well she was so calm and of course now that I know I'm a moderate because I didn't know that was actually a thing <laughs> um, so I'm learning something new with this podcast but I I, she said, well, do you believe that women should have equal... She goes, Kelly, you are a feminist. But she said it nicely. And I said, oh, I am. And she goes, do you believe that women should have equal rights as men? And I said, yes. She goes, okay, well, then you're a feminist. And I go, oh, okay. So there's a lot of these, mm-hmm. right, with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I learned that from you. And I like... The reason why I love you so much is because you're so non-judgmental. Even if the viewpoint is ex- seemingly extremist, maybe. And I try to be. Yeah, you are. And so I felt like I could just say anything, and then you'd listen to me, <laughs> and then educate, and then, you know, it was really good. But anyhow, so then, so, you know, I love you. You know, I've grown to love you so much. And then I moved away, and then I met Gretchen. And it is so weird, because I was like, whoa, <laughs> you two are so similar. Because they're both, um, I would say... I don't know if I should call you guys extreme liberals, but maybe. I'm, I'm happy to have that. That's okay. fine. We're yeah. with that. Okay, yes. good. So they're extreme liberals. <laughs> We're team extreme. Team, yeah. yeah, extreme liberals. <laughs> but the difference is you're not mean liberals. <laughs> and I do think it's important because, you know, you've seen aggressive people on both sides get so extremely aggressive and hateful toward the other side that no progress gets made. And I think that both of you are educated extreme liberals but you're also willing to listen and you're kind and you'll inform people and educate them also they look similar they have this similar (laughs) kind of hair it's curly which i love the curly hair um and i don't think either one of you are into hair color (laughs) that was a nice way of saying they both have salt and pepper curly hair without saying it i had someone come into my office one day and said I just love seeing young women let their hair go gray. And I was like, yay. (laughs) So you think I'm young, but my hair is gray. Okay, it's fine. But I was like, I remember my mom always died from the time I can, earliest memory, she would dye her hair. So I think in my family, you just gray early. And I just have been like, well, whatever. Like if I try to keep this gray, then it like adds a whole layer of expectation for everything like below my hair. And I can't, I don't have time for that. Yes. Well, as someone explained to me once, who finally went, who finally let her gray hair go, she said, "You know what? If you keep dyeing your hair, then someday when you really look old and you decide not to dye your hair, like it just hit, everything hits you at once." She's like, "I decided like let the gray now while I don't look so old, and oh, okay. then as I get older, it'll be you okay." Age into it, so yeah, totally exactly. Fine. And I I've been gray for so long that I don't. Do even... you call you color your hair right? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I did. I started. I have a lot of gray, <laughs> but James said I was too young to let it go. See, I had a big gray streak from you the time did, I was yeah. 20. I love that, And though. so then it was really kind of hip and interesting, and now it's the I'm just like an old... Yeah, yeah. I just have old gray hair, but I'm just used to it. Yeah. So um, so then I, when I met Gretchen, it, weird, it was really weirding me out for a while, because she'd say these things, especially about politics, because you guys are very politically informed, and I try, I try to stay as informed as I can, but honestly, it is a... It's a lot to keep up on, and I'm not always the best at it. And so she'd be talking. I'm like, whoa, this is so weird. You're just like my friend Leia. So then James met her, and he said, (laughs) 
Leia too. And so then for the longest time, I'd be referring to Gretchen as Gretchen, and he would be like, "Oh, you mean Leia too?" I'm saying yes. <laughs> so we met them. They're in the same room together. So we are yeah. not the same person. We're no, not they're the same not the same person. Separate and you're much more. You're much. You're you're more different, but much more alike. Mm-hmm. More different than I thought, but more alike too. Yeah. So we're all here together. All right. And so what we're going to talk about today is um, women's health. Okay. And I can do that. Leia is a women's health <laughs> expert, and I'm, we're so grateful to have her. So, let's get started. So, we've, oh, we've talked a lot in this, not a lot, but in the beginning of our podcast about different religious beliefs, and I identify as a Christian, and Gretchen identifies as an atheist, and what would your religious beliefs be? I ad- identify as Jewish. Okay, so you're Jewish, mm-hmm. and some a lot of times when we're talking about women's health, this becomes a controversial issue, and particularly around access to women's health, whether it be contraception or abortion mm-hmm. or any of those women's health needs. What would you say in your experience is women is the percentage of women with strong religious backgrounds who need to access services? So the interesting thing is that there's really no breakdown in religious lines. I think that we think that, and certainly that's maybe what the media portrays. But when you look at just basic contraceptive services, like 99% of women have accessed those services at some point in their life. And that goes for women even in same-sex relationships currently. But at some point in their life, they may have accessed those. And that crosses all religious lines. Um, And same thing with actually with abortion care. There's no certain religion that doesn't is less likely to have an abortion as another. So there's really, we really can't draw much about how religion impacts decisions around women's health care. So I hear you talk a lot about unintended pregnancies in the United States. And we, what what is the percentage of unintended pregnancies in the United States, first of all? So it's just about half. It kind of toggles like, you know, 49, 51, around that range. But I just for ease of clarification, you know, ease of discussing it, it's about half of all pregnancies are unintended, which is much higher than most um, high-resource countries. So in terms of unintended pregnancies, what do you think is contributing to that large percentage of unintended pregnancies because that's actually would you do you think that would you were you surprised by that Gretchen that 50 percent yes and no I'm surprised by that when I think of my peers at this point because my my kids are older but all of my peers generally had intended pregnancies but if I dialed it back way back then there were more peers during my college years who probably had unintended pregnancies Mm. so I guess if I if I looked at my own life and broke it down 50-50, probably it works out to that. Mm-hmm. The ones that you tried for and the ones that you ended up with and <laughs> all the things in between mm-hmm. are, you know, it runs a gamut. But mm-hmm. Were both your children planned? Oh my God, yes. Oh, okay. And were yours? <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, both of, my, both of my children were unplanned. So Cameron was born when I was in my doctoral program and that was very much unplanned. And then Maxwell, and then Cameron was a very colicky baby and difficult and then I never wanted another child and then oops there comes Maxwell <laughs> so that I'm kind of contributing to this statistic yeah. a little bit yeah um, there's also the spectrum of I feel like I have my right. friends have a spectrum of unplanned yeah. mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. like you know my IUD failed oh my god what am I going to do now and then there's like well we'll just see what happens we'll just see what happens and we'll just have sex all the time and hope that I don't... Oh, I didn't mean to get pregnant, but it's like... And that's true. Yeah. 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 That might so, be, I might have been more on that line. Because <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't use contraception. I've never used it. 
So then, yes. So just as a public service announcement, I'd like to ask you two as medical professionals, if you would like to prevent pregnancy, is contraception recommended? I know that sounds bad, doesn't it? Well, that's reality. Worked really well for me. Yeah, and that's obviously she had two children naturally. All the children I didn't have. So, and I think that's the reality. I mean, I think there's so many drivers for it. I think a lot of it's education and what people understand about um, their likelihood to become pregnant. I think that there's access, which is a huge issue in our state where we're a really rural state and so accessing the services and all of the things that make that challenging like being rural, um, hard to drive, expensive to get gas and especially like... But you know what a big one is? I really think... So I grew up in a very rural area and... My, one of my high school friend's moms was a nurse practitioner, and everyone loved her because we trusted her to not tell, like, our parents. Mm-hmm. So, literally, we'd be dropped off at a sleepover mm-hmm. at this girl's house, and her mom would be seeing us in the clinic, like, a month later yep. to make sure that we had birth control and stuff like yeah. that. But what if that was, what if, you know, your she was neighbor. obviously, what, or, or your neighbor, or what if it was your, your mom's aunt friend or whatever. Who, yeah. And she was very, she was a woman's health nurse practitioner, so her children were very well informed from mm-hmm. the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. I, re- like, I literally remember she had the book, um, oh God, what's the old, like, 70s? Our Bodies Ourselves. Yes! <laughs> and we were like, Our Bodies Ourselves, I and they like, had that. women with signs, and like, yeah. we were like, it was always out and open and really available. Yeah. So, so the other part about those small towns is everyone knows Stigma. everyone. And even like, seeing your car mm-hmm. absolutely there. so it wasn't we didn't have like a planned parenthood clinic or anything mm-hmm. like that we had like a we didn't even we don't even really have a hospital up there anymore but it was like the clinic where you would go for strep throat mm-hmm. or whatever and you could also slide in and ask for some birth control and she'd tell yeah. you it was because you had heavy periods and off yeah you were gone. there you go yeah yeah that's a huge issue and i would say like the stigma and especially the rural thing works both ways because um you know you have people who don't want to go to their they may have a clinic in town but they don't want to actually use that clinic because their aunt's best friend works there and you know the medical receptionist at the hospital was there you know so you you see that people actually travel sometimes outside of their area even when you put those rural clinics in in areas so um so absolutely i think access and stigma and you know for young teens for transgender health for Abortion, all of that, a lot of times people just can't, it's really hard to just access those services because of what all the messages they've been getting their whole lives. Yeah, and then when we we talked about, I think, earlier podcasts, and all first or second, doesn't matter, the issue with education in schools mm-hmm. and STD, access to prevention and, and education. And um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that we absolutely need to teach it in schools, but I think we need to teach it well. Mm-hmm. You know, my concern is always that we stick a teacher who really has no desire to talk about this content and is very uncomfortable. It's often and the PE teacher. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And kids are smart. They yeah. can tell when someone's uncomfortable talking about this. Um, you know, in Portland, we used to have a special team that went to all the schools and they were experts in this area. Mm-hmm. But of course, that got cut with funding somewhere along the way. So now, yes, it's sometimes the classroom teacher who, you know, literally wants to teach 
teach at the last day of school and then walk out of the building and never have to deal with it again. So I really think that you need the nuances of things like consent, things like pleasure, things like um, gender identity, and to just kind of get up there and do the facts and say, this is this is what causes sexually transmitted infections. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not very mm-hmm. useful. Kids can find that out And now. even with little kids, mm-hmm. start with the real words. So mm-hmm. my best friend teases me to death because we use the real words. So I have daughters, and so we have taught them that that's their vulva. Mm-hmm. Oh, something on my vulva itches, whatever. So actually, this week I was working with some... Um, some students and one was reporting back like oh my god I had this girl in preschool I didn't even know how she knew this word I was so embarrassed I'm like well what was the word like (laughs) vulva and I'm like was it my daughter because that's the real thing like that's the actual part Mm -hmm. you see so that's what we call it and she was like no it wasn't your daughter and she was all like Mm -hmm. but she was I think she was sort of like what do you mean like that's the word you you how would our little kid know the word vulva and I'm like and so my pediatrician has actually complimented mm-hmm. us on our mm-hmm. uh, word use of the appropriate words. And she was like, words. you wouldn't believe some of the words I hear. Mm-hmm. Cookie, my cookie itches. And I'm like, <laughs> no, because like, what? It, no. Well, well, last night we were having dinner with our neighbors because they have a generator. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> now they're and, our best friends. Yeah. And uh, they had some other people over. And one of the guys said that his parents referred to his penis as Henry. Because they were uncomfortable saying the word. And we were laughing so hard. But it was the same way in my family. My band teacher was named Henry. What happens then when you go and you learn to play clarinet and you're like, ooh, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you, what's the book you told me to buy? Um, You bought the one for the kids my age. It's so amazing. Yeah, I know. That was bad. And there's a whole series. Have you read it? It's so amazing. Um, I don't think so. Oh my it's, gosh! There's, there's it's not the stork, and then it's it's so amazing, okay. and then there's a third one for like the next age. But it's wonderful. Huh. She we were at we were at book club, and she was telling me about it, and so I ordered it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Albeit I had had some wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the best idea. So I order it right, and so it's it's in a it's cartoony. Mm-hmm. So my son, it came in the mail. He sits there, and he was so excited. So of course we've read this whole book five times it's his Mm -hmm. favorite book he thinks Mm -hmm. it's so interesting so the first couple pages are just talking about puberty and it has pictures of a baby all the way up through an aging Mm -hmm. man and woman naked Mm -hmm. and so he's right into it and my husband and maxwell come upstairs he goes daddy maxwell you have to see this (laughs) (laughs) this is a vagina and this is a hairy penis and that's a non-hairy penis. <laughs> and it, oh my gosh, but the book is really good. It's fat, you know, it's science-based, mm-hmm. it's factual, but it's not too much. Mm-hmm. But it goes into all of it. But it goes, to, it yeah. also, it, so it does, it does refer to sex. It, I can't remember if this one or the next one does refer to like heterosexual versus homosexual it does, yeah, relationships. It, does. it goes into that, yeah. So it's very, Transgender. so like the Amazon mm-hmm. um, reviews get a little heated of people that think that children should never, ever learn about the world around them. And I think that they should, mm. and I'm very open with my kids about it. So, yeah, and I and actually one of the my, one of my favorite pictures in that book is the naked old lady because she's lifting weights, <laughs> but she is like so clearly old, like she is sagging, yeah. her belly's sagging. Like it's not like mm-hmm. the sometimes those books are just like I just took a Barbie and mm-hmm. you know here's one without hair, here's one with hair, and here's I don't know whatever he's on with gray hair the end and it's like oh. and whereas this is she's just like she, but she's like yeah I'm totally I'm working it I'm naked I'm lifting weights <laughs> this is great I love those books and my my daughters love them too so the um 
my my older one is now like this is so embarrassing i'm like whatever now you know right exactly you know, there? be embarrassed whatever yeah. you have it it's on the shelf and yeah. my younger one was like so excited to crack that thing open and mm-hmm. learn everything she could she has bookmarks yeah. and i'm just like well whatever you, you're gonna learn it somewhere so i want you to learn it yeah. from me and not from mm-hmm. so youtube there, is there structured evidence-based education about that mm-hmm. schools can use mm-hmm. so um in maine the department of education works with um there's funding for an evidence-based it's called best practices in i think it's sexually transmitted infections and pregnancy prevention but um so that's and that's to for teachers to have a resource um and there's guidance that's available um so the the information exists um and you know again i think it's a lot of the comfort of the teacher and also talking about other issues beyond just the nuts and bolts of it do you think that maybe it should be taught by the school nurse Um, I, I actually don't think it needs to, I think whoever teaches it has to want to teach it. I know. I'm trying to, I have this new thought that we just need to totally re-envision the role of the school nurse after I've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're actually doing and what, and also the funding for school nurses. I mean, this could be a whole nother topic, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I think it, it needs to be taught by someone who's comfortable teaching it, I think, and excited to teach it. Yeah. So like, I love talking about this stuff, so. I mean, my kids have grown up, and now they just, like, can't stand, you know, me talking about any of this or, like, having condoms <laughs> on the house. And we were making um, baskets for the auction at school. And <laughs> someone asked if, I, if I would make one, and I was like, I'm only doing one if I can do a sex-positive basket that, like, has, like, condoms and, like, a gift card to the sex store. And, like, <laughs> like that's what I'll donate, because, like, that's what parents should be getting for their kids or for themselves. So she's like... She texts me back. She's like, I think we can work with that. And I was like, okay, really? great. So that's what I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm donating. I was like, this is something I know about and something I care about. And so that's the it'll gift basket get, for the get. auction. I think it'll be a big hit. You've thrown a car detailing and that thing will go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good oh idea. Like gosh. one thing. So I think my kids, I, I think it's maybe had the reverse effect that they're like, they can't stand talking. They're not interested in talking about it. They don't want to hear it. Anytime I, like, launch into something, they're like, enough, enough. So one of the things that I had mentioned is that one of my friends had brought up how someone she knew was not comfortable talking to their parents, so she ended up doing the run to the pharmacy to pick up the medication. Do you find in your role as being a sex-positive educator and parent that other other people reach out to you because of that? So I... That's sort of what I want in my, like, fantasy world. Like, I'm the, like, cool mom that everybody comes to. I have Who has our bodies ourselves. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which I do have, a well-tattered copy. Um, and I definitely have given condoms for, like, a basket of condoms to several friends to give, uh, to friends for their kids. Um, so, but I, I haven't seen it play out and so much. Like, I don't, you know. Really? I, I would love it. I just think my kids are a little bit younger and um, they're just kind of not there yet. But I hope that they feel comfortable. It's going to play out because I've seen you with the students. <laughs> they're, you're like, they're... I have a friend. I know. I get uh, all those questions. Me. I have a friend who um, she had this situation with her birth control. I'm just curious. What do you think about well, that? Hypothetically. Yeah. But no, I Do I you mean, have plan B on you like right, right now? The demo pack? Could I just start taste it? <laughs> but yeah, I hope that, I mean, I certainly hope that my kids feel comfortable discussing stuff with me, but I hope if they don't, that they have someone that they can lean so, to. So in, in one of my classes, one of my freshman seminar classes, this is a few years ago now, um, it was all women and one guy, who I think actually lives in the neighborhood, but um, one end. The nursing students asked if they could present a thing on 
sexual health and pregnancy, all that. And I was like, sure, use my class, great. And so I was the one at the back, they were like, basically like, no, you always want to use protection because you can get pregnant at literally any minute of any day of any time. And I was like, I said, I just want to clear something up. Like, you're going to get to a point in your life where you actually want to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to find out that that's actually kind of a lie. And there's this great book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which, did you you use that method? But... I don't know what method I used. (laughs) You just poked. Yeah. (laughs) Rolled the dice. So, and I was like, and you'll find out when you actually want kids. I said, and I feel like that's one of the biggest, like, mistruths that's put Mm -hmm. in front of girls. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, well, you don't want to be in the hot tub. Mm Because that might happen if you use the bathroom (laughs) after him. You never know. And you don't want to be in the front. Both, if you're both in the front seat. And he touches you, you could get pregnant, so sit in the back seat. Like, it's always so... Yeah. It could happen at any minute. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I was like... And then once I actually start, like, in my... And I was... I was pregnant before I had Ingrid and had a miscarriage. And it took me a year to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was like... This is not what they promised me in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And it was, like, with timing and with everything. And And then I had, like, my thyroid checked out. And then as soon as my thyroid was taken care of, it was, like... Boom. I was pregnant with Ingrid and it was great. And then I had an IUD. And then as soon as I went off that, I got pregnant with Willa and then I've been IUD ever since. But it was, but it was like, once I realized that there was actually like all these other things that had to take place, but they make it seem yeah. so, and I don't know if they still do that, but in the nineties, it was very much. Yeah. At any minute you could get pregnant. Yeah. Well, down and, the street. and in the eighties, I can attest it was. <laughs> and I, I do think that we send this message and then, and that's where I feel like we can do a real disservice because then we have this generation of girls who think that that whole pleasure piece is completely absent from the discussion. Mm. If oh, you yeah. were fearing pregnancy and death every time you had sex, yeah. you know, hmm. how pleasurable is it going to be? And I, uh, someone put it well, one of these sexual, sexuality educators who I like, who says, you know, we're the only country who, sa- who's, who sends the message, sex is dirty and dangerous, so save it for someone you love. Mm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Like, we tell right. them, like... All these bad things, but you shouldn't do it. You should wait till you really love someone. It's like such a mixed message that we send to people. And, mm. you know, so I, again, it needs to be someone who's comfortable talking about it in a realistic way. No, I never thought about that. I know that my, my um, one of my children inquired at Rite Aid one day about the condom display and said, Mom, what are those? I was like, oh, those are condoms. A man would put that over his penis before he had sex with a woman so that she wouldn't get pregnant or hopefully not get diseases. But they're still, t-. she's like, shut up. I know, exactly. <laughs> And then she like, and then it's right next to the pregnancy test. She was like, well, why you, well, maybe you are worried or maybe you're hopeful that you're pregnant. So you would pee on that and there's a hormone. And she's just like, oh my God. And then, but then like weeks later, she asked me some other question. And then she was like, mom, I don't know how to say this, but I really like how you just answer whatever I ask. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of the point. Like if you ask the yeah, question, yeah. I will answer it for you. And I will tell you. And even if it's embarrassing, then you have that information mm-hmm. and you know it and then you know to ask me when there's something else that's even more important or more serious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna answer the mm-hmm. question. And but she but she did come back later and so so even though she's like you know, even though she died into a hole in yeah, writing like, Oh my god, mom, stop, stop, you said penis. I have said to when I've had a car full of, of girls, you know, teenage girls and I've talked about, you know, just remember if anybody ever is in a situation and you know, I'm happy to help and let me know and da 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 da. Like I always try and, and give that <laughs> that message. To I them. have a minivan. I could put a lot of yeah, girls in that. Yeah, put a lot and of. Just be like, drive around town. Yeah, what do you want to know? But um, but yeah, I do think sometimes my kids are like, enough, enough. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. So 
so. So let's talk about the controversial topic of abortion. All right. Okay, so you support women's choice in mm-hmm. having an abortion. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's really interesting about you and maybe people who are firm pro-life, which, by the way, I don't even like. Mm-hmm. I've decided I don't like those terms mm-hmm. at all. No, they're not good terms. Because if you say pro-life... Mm-hmm. I'm or pro, pro I, I like, think of myself like you're as a baby. pro-life. Like, it's like you're I'm, a baby killer. And that's right. not, that's not I, it. I feel like we have to reclaim the word pro-life. Like we're, you know, it's, and, I, you know, I've talked about this sort of this reproductive justice model mm-hmm. rather than this pro-choice pro-life. And reproductive justice actually came out of Sister Song, which is a women of color reproductive coalition. Um about 15 or maybe even longer, closer to 20 years ago. Um, and the reproductive justice model is really just about supporting everything so that women can truly have a choice. Because, you know, we could say pro-choice. Sure, you can have an abortion. Well, maybe you want to have a child, but you don't have housing or you don't have a job that will let you take any leave when you have that child. Or you're in an abusive relationship where it's not safe. Um, Or you live in a neighborhood where it's really dangerous. Or you have a child who you fear for his safety as he gets older because of you know, living on streets that are really dangerous. So we're not really truly giving some people a choice when we say pro-choice if they don't have the supports in place to actually support them in having a child if they want a child. And I think it goes both ways. So that's why I think that the pro-choice movement needs to almost reclaim that that terminology of, mm-hmm. um, you know, we are pro, um, pro people making the decisions around their reproduction, whether to have kids, when to have kids, mm-hmm. in whatever way that they can do that safely and be supported. Um, and I guess that's the thing that's so frustrating is that the folks who say they're pro-life are often the ones who don't support any social services, who don't support paid leave, mm-hmm. who don't support things like really making sure that streets are safe, that don't support other ways to keep people safe, like in, in like gun rights and stuff, you know, that they they have no interest in gun control. Just like or healthcare. Basic healthcare. Contraception. Basic healthcare. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really not, that's not pro-life to me to say that, you know, we don't have these systems in place, but we all we know is that we want you to have that child, but then you're on your own, yeah. no matter what situation. So if you're going back to an abusive partner, too bad, yeah. you know? And that abusive partner can have a gun? Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Right, and we know <laughs> like, how many women die in Maine. We were saying this. It's probably yeah. like once a month we hear of a, mm-hmm. a woman being killed by a partner. Yeah. So it's, it's this is not like a hypothetical. Well, and, and you know, like the, to- the topic about being pregnant and maybe going to faith-based schools and then getting kicked out of schools that's 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 hip that is hypocrisy from <clears throat> mm-hmm. their so, their perspective in my views anyhow yeah so i had a when i was in high school like <clears throat> junior high on i had this pen pal who lived in another state and she's not like she's drifted off but we were like great pen pals actually visit each other and it was great and it was fun and she was raised southern baptist and i was raised agnostic atheist and we had kind of drifted apart after high school and then she like found me and she sent me this letter I, th- I think I still have it somewhere at my parents house and it was describing how she had a boyfriend who was black and she was white and she knew her parents would never approve so she never told them about him but then she got pregnant and she drove across the state four hours to not this state but a different one to go to a clinic and her boyfriend convinced her not to and she drove back and then she said no I can't there's no way my parents will will kill me if I have a mixed race child and drove back to the clinic on her own and had an abortion 
and I and I need to tell someone you're the only one I can tell. Oh my tell. goodness. Mm. And this was like 20 <clears throat> years ago. And so, and then through the halls of Facebook, we sort of reconnected. She since like unfriended me a couple of years ago, but she's still <laughs> Southern Baptist and she was doing the thing where they were sending red letters to Obama and against abortion. I'm thinking, you have Hello. to unfriend me. You know I know. <laughs> right, you know right. I know. And right. I'm just like, you are such a hypocrite. And then one of my friends was like, no, she doesn't think she's a hypocrite. She thinks she's absolved for her sin. Mm. And so she's okay. And But now no one else should have that choice. And right, I'm like, right. You were literally afraid for, like, everything in your life for having a, a mixed-race child, almost more the mixed-race out of than the out-of-wedlock in her, in her family and her religion. And you it weighed on you so heavily that you had, like, and I, I know I have the letter somewhere at home because I remember thinking, like, this, even, like, it... 21 or I was like this is pretty fucked up like mm-hmm. this is pretty profound mm-hmm. that you are dumping this on me mm-hmm. and, and I remember like some of my friends who had known who she was because she had come to Maine once were like whoa that's really crazy whereas Maine is like the least religious state in the union mm-hmm. anyway so even my friends who do have religion are not in that southern mm-hmm. bible belt southern baptist big church kind of a faith I don't think mm-hmm. but <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, being a moderate now that I know that and towing the line between the two groups. Your I license plate's going to read, moderate. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I was raised pro-life and, um, you know, my mom did get pregnant as a teenager and she did keep the baby and the family did s- support her. So that's great. But I guess it's my profession that you see so many different circumstances mm-hmm. that I don't think the general public is exposed to enough to understand that this is not a black or white Mm -hmm. decision. And I know you very well. And you, am I correct to say that you wish that we, that abortion didn't even have to exist? Um, I think that in the best case scenario, we have access to education and we have contraception readily available. There will always be some people with unintended pregnancies, but yeah, I'd like to see the number go down from 50%. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room there. It could go down to 10% with just those mechanisms. Um, I do think abortion will always exist because of so many reasons. And I've seen enough women who've made that decision to know that we, that it's going to happen, but I absolutely think there's a lot of room to change that. And, um, it's unfortunate that we can't work on that simultaneously. What do you think about these states? Is it Texas that just banned abortion completely? Or well, no place has actually been able to ban it completely. There's been a couple bills in various state houses. Um, none of them have totally passed, although some have made it so onerous that all the clinics is, have essentially had to close. So it's basically not available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's happening. And so then there are websites where you can get the abortion pill illegally because that's not legal right now um and there was a study that was just done where they actually got somebody like actually ordered these pills and then looked to see what they were made of um and they ordered them like i don't know like from all these different places you know how you can get sort of drugs illegally online and they they analyzed them they were actually effective but none of they when they ordered these pills they came with no instructions and no number to call because, again, they were legal, so they didn't want to include that. So when you think about all of the people who are going online and ordering these because they, they're they hoping and they may not know if they're in the right gestation to even make it, that it works. Um, they have no support. They have no instructions. Um, but it's kind of mind-boggling how many people out there are, are going to find a way to do it. It's almost like the modern-day like movie scene of just... 
hit me as hard as you can and yeah. maybe that will work. Like, like this is like when we were online, I'm going to exactly. order the pills and it's like yeah. the modern day. Yeah. I will, and, and I think that that is what will happen. It's like yep. no matter what. They'll find a Anyone way. who is determined to, to do it and determined to not have the pregnancy is going to find a way right. to, to Ill- illegal, uh Making abortion illegal does not reduce the abortion rate. It just makes it unsafe. And so, you know, obviously we need to keep it legal, but I think that we need to support women. I think we need to increase access and I think we need to do simultaneously the education and the access to contraception to make it so that it is, you know, it that our rates of unintended pregnancies are not so high. So what would you, what would be your wish for, for the group of people who are pro-life? What can they do to actually make positive movement to get their, to get what they actually mm-hmm. want instead of picketing mm-hmm. and shaming? Mm-hmm. What could they do to change <clears throat> that, move that energy somewhere in a more positive light? Well, I think it's a little complicated by the fact that most people who are probably out there picketing are, you know, really troubled people in my mm-hmm. experience from what I've seen. And I think a lot for a lot of them, it's not about abortion. It's about controlling women's sexuality. Mm-hmm. They don't want women to be sexual beings. They don't want women to enjoy sex. They they want it, you know, they, they just have sort of like they're twisted up about sex. And I think that's what we see in our politicians now who are, you know, vociferously like fighting to like prevent access to these services it's really about control power and you know not wanting women to enjoy sex i think so i think that it's hard to target like those folks who are actually out there protesting but i think if you looked at some more rational beings who Mm -hmm. actually may feel like they're anti-abortion um i think having those calm discussions i think explaining to folks um Sometimes I've had just the opportunity to talk to people about who really comes to abortion clinics. About a quarter of women, by the time they reach 45, will have had an abortion. So there isn't a type of person that has an abortion. It's just different women at different times in their lives with different circumstances. So I think breaking down the stigma, I think people talking about abortions that they've had and recognize that, like, I'm a person who has had an abortion and I'm still a normal person. And that doesn't, you know, and so people understanding that. But I think that if they really wanted to be useful in their plight, it would be working to get contraception available and working to increase access to it. So, you know, if there was a protester out there who protested every week against the people coming in the clinic, but then every other day was out, you know, working to get contraception available in the pharmacies like they do in certain states, I'd be like, okay, at least that person's not a You're living your truth. Yeah. 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 But that's not what they're doing because <laughs> they don't want contraception either. They just want women to not have sex. And I find so many people will be like, well, I'm pro-life. I'd never have an. I mean, I don't. It's fine if other people need to have an abortion. I think they should be able to. But I'm pro-life. I'm like, then you're pro-choice exactly. because you don't. Pro-choice doesn't mean I'm going to have all the abortions I possibly can <laughs> in the time allotted. Yeah, it's right. about being like it's mm-hmm. up to you, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like my. That's also my whole like thing with religion. Like you do you. You do what mm-hmm. makes you happy. If it, mm-hmm. but don't impinge it. Make it impinge on my life and my freedoms. Mm-hmm. So, and because there is such a religious part of Mm. choice Mm -hmm. then don't say that you're pro-life and that I shouldn't be able to have an abortion or my daughter shouldn't or my friend shouldn't Mm -hmm. because you don't think I should like well I also don't think you should wear those clothes but I'm not going to tell you (laughs) don't wear those clothes but you don't think I should color my hair (laughs) I never told you that I just asked if you did (laughs) and that is okay I am pro-hair color choice (laughs) pro-dye but I so I feel like half the time I'm 
you know, when I do talk to some people, I'm like, so you're not pro-life. Right. You realize you're pro-choice when right. you say that. I know. I agree. I think sometimes when you, re- if you can have those conversations in a reasoned way, a mm-hmm. lot of times you can get to people, I think, mm-hmm. more successfully. You know, like, do you think that if somebody was raped by her father, yeah. do you think she should, do you think if someone has an ectopic pregnancy, they should be able to ha- treat that? Like, mm-hmm. why is that different? Uh, you know, yeah, totally. a five-week ectopic pregnancy, how come that one you're fine with? Nobody would argue that that's not treatable. Right. But if it's a five week and it's not ectopic, if it made it a little further down into the uterus, all of a sudden that's bad. That's bad. So I, I think if you have an opportunity to talk, I haven't had that many opportunities to talk, but the few times I had, I, f- I feel like I've made progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, you know, I've talked about before, there's a home at my church and they provide housing. And I know you have other views on this, but I don't <laughs> think it's the same as okay. your concerned but um so they they provide housing and food and transportation to medical appointments um and options like if someone wants to give up um i shouldn't say give up that's actually a bad just the way we say give up for adoption right right it's make an adoption plan yeah make it there you go make an adoption plan and um and all these services that at least they're not out picketing and shaming Mm -hmm. and they're actually helping mm-hmm. you know they're actually providing a service that otherwise maybe these people these women would be in a situation where they had to have an abortion because they had no place to go they're homeless mm-hmm. i mean this is a reality mm-hmm. you know women are you know homeless or they're in a domestic violence situation or whatever it may be there's a million different reasons mm-hmm. again it's not black or white but if you're providing at least a service for them and helping even after the baby's born when a lot of people need this help Mm -hmm. then at least you're talking the walk Mm -hmm. and you're not just saying oh I don't believe in abortion but I also don't believe in helping people at Mm -hmm. all you know Mm -hmm. so if you get pregnant unexpectedly sorry Mm -hmm. like it's your problem you're gonna have to be homeless no it all feeds into that and you won't have health care and you won't have child care and if you do go to get a job that will pay for child care and you have to leave your kid in the car for five minutes you'll get arrested and Mm -hmm. accused of kidnapping which just happened recently in another state at an airport and like you know they claim she abandoned her kids and they were older kids but she left them in the car while she went to the interview Right. Like she because just, that was her option. Because that was her option. Mm-hmm. And so we don't do well with childcare. We don't mm-hmm. do well with healthcare. No. We don't do Job well with... training. Uh, all there's so things. many things that mm-hmm. we don't yeah, do Yeah, and well. if you work as, you know, certain types of jobs, a lot of types of jobs, you'll have no paid medical leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and exactly. then you're supposed to somehow feed yourself and the baby. Mm-hmm. I, I, you see, these are the things that get me... Mm-hmm. Riled up. <laughs> this gets me angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, one more question. One more okay. question. Abstinence-only education. <laughs> So some people will say, well, we could solve this problem. We just don't have sex. Right. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? It doesn't work. And that's been proven in multiple, multiple studies. Um, abstinence education does one thing, which is it, it makes people more likely the first time they have intercourse to not use contraception. That's what it does. It doesn't delay the onset of um, intercourse. It doesn't make them more likely to, you know, use condoms to prevent sexually transmitted infections. It just makes them less likely to actually protect themselves when they do have sex. So we know that it doesn't work. Thankfully, in our state, we have not taken the money that would have required us to do abstinence-only education back in the, um, I don't remember when it was, many, many years ago. Um, So we have always done comprehensive sexuality education, which we should do. But there are some states that that's the norm. Mm. You know, and but so, even though we are doing this, we're not doing we're not doing a good job in schools. I mean, I think there's right? I shouldn't say we're I, th- I think there's room to improve. Let's OK, say. there I we think go. We make good efforts here, but there's definitely room to improve. 
All right, so we're going to do our favorite things. Oh, right. And and Leah, do you want to start? Okay, so um, this is not very highbrow. but <laughs> We are not very highbrow. Okay, <laughs> all right. So I am um, going to admit to binge-watching a Netflix show mm. that's called American Vandal that is the most absurd premise ever, oh. which is basically that there's a crime of... 27 cars in a faculty parking lot being sprayed with pictures of penises. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a true crime mockumentary. And if you've ever been into true crime, like documentaries like Serial or Making a Murderer, which I kind of have a thing for some of those. You listen to My Favorite Murder? I listen to My Favorite Murder. Love My my Favorite Murder. Love it. Love it. Want to be them, actually. Um, So this is so profoundly brilliant at at encapsulating that genre. And so I sort of was like, how's this going to last for eight episodes? Like, it's funny in the first five minutes, but it's so good. And then it was, like, just surprisingly heartwarming and a depiction of high school that is really real, even in the absurdity of it. And um, and just, I feel like the characters were good. Like, the, the messages that it sent ultimately was really good. I felt like it was like the breakfast club of this day. So I watched it with my 13-year-old son. He had watched one. He's like, I don't think you're going to like it because, you know, it is absurd. No, that is a penis at the bottom (laughs) of those testicles. (laughs) But we ended up watching it. We we rarely watch shows as a family, and we ended up all watching it in one weekend. All eight episodes are like half an hour, and it was the perfect break from the politics of whenever it was two weeks ago when I just was like, I need an escape, and it was perfect. So once we get power back, I think that we should check that out. Yes, yes. So <laughs> your kid's maybe too young for it. Yeah. Is it a Netflix original? It's a Netflix, I think so. It's on Netflix. Can we just talk about Netflix originals for a second? <laughs> they are amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the price of Netflix. Have you watched Netflix, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No. You have to watch that one. I, I, what have you guys watched? watched Love? No. no. Okay, I've got to write. Oh, a t- um, Atypical? Is that his name? Oh, shoot. Is that it? That's a- one. There's, yeah, that one is. I've heard of that one. It's about a boy with autism. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's so That's, is that good. Netflix or Amazon, though? It's Netflix. Okay. Netflix original. Love. And, of course, I love making a murderer. That's how I started. And then my kids watch some cartoons that are Netflix originals that are just incredible. I mean, it's better than regular TV. Yeah. It's, oh, it's better so than good. cable. And for the price, I mean... First of all, I get it for free because I go with my in-laws. <laughs> but you know, essentially, it's free TV. My okay. kids, when they see when they see when they were little and would see um, TV with commercials, because that's all we had with Netflix and stuff, they would be so confused. They'd be like, "The show's over. What's this new show?" And we were like, "No, it's just thirty seconds of them trying to sell you something. Like, just yeah. hang in there. It'll come back. <laughs> It'll be great." All right, Kelly, what about you? Okay, so we've been living through a storm, and I don't know if my phone was trying to search for internet. But it also became disconnected from my Mac, so it wanted to resync. I don't know if you guys have ever had this mm-hmm. problem. And so it kept searching, searching. So my battery, every two hours, was my phone would be completely dead. And, of course, charging it was not easy because I'd have to find a place to charge it. So anyway, I got a new charger. and no, a phone, new phone case. It's that. First of all, I have an iPhone. I should clarify. And it's that Mac um, or Apple extended battery case. It's incredible. Okay, so I charged this last night. At seven, oh, and I have a hundred percent charge, and what? I haven't charged it since. Wow, that is yes. amazing! It's incredible, so I love it, and it's really not. I mean, touch it. See, I have one that I got free when I bought my phone. That's huge, like this huge life-proof battery case, and it's so big it feels like it makes it a brick. And we used it for like vacations and where there's going to be a lot of water and a lack of charging, and it's fine for that. Right. But but that's like a definitely much more portable, like Sheet. everyday one. And of course, Leia 
ditched. I cannot believe you don't have an iPhone anymore. I know. What was the reason? You just wanted to be a rebel? Uh, kind of, yeah. I There's knew not it. A good I reason. knew it. I just was like, everybody like driving a Prius with gray hair and <laughs> two high schoolers. with my flip phone. With the two high schoolers <laughs> has an iPhone. Like, uh, And so I just was like, I, and plus I was like, I just, I needed a new phone. And I was like, I'm just, it's going to challenge my brain to like have a new phone. I'm not 100% happy with it. Oh, I know you I might go be. back, but I'm just sitting with it for a little it's while. It's okay. Do you have... Learning. You are Learning free. and growing. You are free to make that choice. Yes. You are. Yes. Although, I'm, does, it, does it make you mad, though, when you text someone and it turns green? I know. I'm like, I oh. get so annoyed. So, I all of a sudden, she started turning green, and I'm like... What? what is this? And first one day I thought she was like out of range or something, so I let it go. Then finally, I'm like, okay, you have definitely cheated on iPhone and yes. gone a different way. And she said, yes, I did. And I knew she was being a rebel because you are rebellious. Yeah. So mine has to do with the power outage too. And and although I haven't used it really this much during this power outage, but I have a Kindle Paperwhite. Mm-hmm. I love my Kindle Me Paperwhite. Too. Yeah. Because it has, it's not a backlight, it's a front light. And that's like a big thing if you like are a Kindle yeah. purist. And it, because people will say, oh, I can't stare at a screen. I can't stare at a screen. I can stare at a paper white screen for hours yeah. and read it just fine. And it totally, and I have a million devices. You joked about that earlier. So I do have an iPad, an iPhone, a laptop, everything. But I can't read a book on my iPad. And I can't read a book on my iPhone because as soon as I start reading, an email pops mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I yes, get a message. Someone tags me on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, what they tag me in? Is yeah. it a good picture or a bad picture? <laughs> Do I want to allow it or not? Yeah. Like I and I can't stay in the book. Whereas with the Kindle, it is just a book. Yeah. I can still get that lost in a book feeling. Mm-hmm. But I got the paper white when my youngest was still nursing and would just need me to lay there in bed in the dark mm-hmm. for what I think it was about seventeen years each night. Mm-hmm. It felt like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like so I got a paper white and I was like, Oh, we're good. I mm-hmm. can read you're chilling out you're mm-hmm. falling asleep mm-hmm. this isn't and the light is so so not a light like it doesn't light light up the room mm-hmm. I didn't Great. like put light in her eyes I could just read so I could have a really focused reading experience while she was falling asleep and so now you know reading in the car at night or reading at home in bed at night it's not keeping up Dave mm-hmm. it's I love my Kindle Paperwhite um, so that that's you don't have one thing I don't, but I, I do read on my phone, and I do have that problem that texts come mm-hmm. through or something, and I just, like, my attention span is gone, so it's a good I tip. do like, on the iPad, there's an app called Flipserve through our library, which gets magazines, so I my, my younger daughter has this dance thing every week, this song and dance, whatever, and so I finally realized that there's a brew pub, like, just down the block from it, so I went, and I got a pint, and I brought my iPad, and I pulled up Flipster, which allows access to all these magazines to the library so I seriously read like three people magazines oh, nice. I looked super intelligent though while I was but, doing it because right. I was in a brew pub with a pint and I was just <laughs> working really hard on my iPad as people mm-hmm. looked at me mm-hmm. but I was actually reading all about Chip and Joanna <laughs> and all that kind of stuff yeah. so I love it because and there's all there's like sewing magazines mm. and there's any kind of magazine you would want you can get for free and just downloading it that night, and actually, it was the same day that there was a Twitter rant about libraries. Um, oh, this I remember guy had that. said yes. had said this thing about how nobody uses yes. libraries anymore, and I'm like, you know, I haven't walked into my library in a long time, but I'm using it I like know, right use... this minute, mm-hmm. right here. Gretchen, mm-hmm. that kind of sounded like two favorite things. What your flip stare? I'm sorry, I, so your was... iPad and your Kindle White. No, not the iPad, but the Paperwhite and the Flipster app. There you the go. The iPad's fine. That'll be a different one. So, mm-hmm. are we done? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, Thanks for coming, Leah. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad I finally met you. Me too. <laughs>